We all want to be centrists. Oh, you know, we don't really want to offend people, and yet Christ calls us to do that when we stand for truth, and we have to present truth kindly um, but clearly. And an institutionalist, in my opinion, does not want to do that, is willing to cover up the truth to try to maintain the institution. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 37th podcast of Renew Your Mind. Uh, Today we have with us Senior Pastor Paul Gruenberg, and we have guest speaker uh, Mike Cooper, who is a lay leader at the First United Methodist Church of Gaylord. So the first question, Dana, you said would be coming back from our last podcast uh, that you wanted to ask Mike. Um, Yeah, he had mentioned that he wanted to delve more into a discussion around centrists. Um, So let's start there. You'll see sometimes articles in uh, United Methodist publications from people who style themselves as centrists, and invariably uh, they will take the same position as to what the church should do as as a liberal would. Um, and a better word in that instance to me for centrist is institutionalist, somebody who values the United Methodist Church as an institution. And I do. We all want to be centrists. Oh, you know, we don't really want to offend people, and yet Christ calls us to do that when we stand for truth, and we have to present truth kindly um, but clearly. And an institutionalist, in my opinion, does not want to do that, is willing to cover up the truth to try to maintain the institution. They want to maintain equilibrium for the whole church. They want everyone to be uh, singing kumbaya together. Right. Hence, they want us to keep paying our apportionments, the cynic in me would say, to maintain uh, what is a bureaucracy and what has become a bureaucracy, and that tends to happen. Um, but a centrist will, in the United Methodist terms, and I'm not talking to centrist in belief, but somebody who calls himself a centrist, an institutionalist, will lean towards the way to keep the church as it is, which would mean joining the liberal post-separation United Methodist Church. Because the um, the global Methodist Church will be distinctly different from the United Methodist Church. It'll have much of the same format, but it will be a leaner um, and less expensive uh, for the local church, a leaner and less expensive expression of Methodism. Yeah, let me uh, pick up on that. Mm -hmm. So Mike is talking about uh, how the bureaucracy of the church is shared for the denomination. The bureaucracy of the denomination is shared with all churches, and we call them today, we call them ministry shares. We used to know them as apportionments, and our apportionments or ministry shares would come from our church and would go into a pool at at the conference level. And that would go to help pay for uh, district superintendent salaries and offices, as well as the uh, bishop's office and all of the uh, top-level staffing of the conference, which would help us with ministry, missions, doing conference stuff like having all of the youth groups come together for some confirmation weekend. All of those kinds of things, our apportionments go to help fund. But then they also go to help fund uh, a national United Methodist Church. So some of our ministry shares go to help out with the African church who don't have 
the resources available to them that the American church has. And so our money goes to a local level and then it goes to a national as well as a global level. Well, Mike referred to some of the bishops, I think in the last podcast, or a lot of the bishops have continually pushed a model that is not, what's the word, not in, or it's not compatible with the Book of Discipline. And in doing that, they have begun to uh, do things that the Book of Discipline says you can't do. And he's referred to uh, a bishop out in the Western jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church who is in an openly gay marriage. And I don't have a problem with that so much as that our apportionments are going to help fund her ministry as well as her um, salary, her retirement, all of those kinds of things. And that's just one bishop. Now, if you've got 60 bishops and two-thirds of those bishops are pushing a more uh, progressive agenda than what we agreed upon as a United Methodist Church, we are going to support that agenda with our ministry shares or our apportionments. And so one of the issues that has really risen to the top is accountability. Once once you're elected a bishop, you're elected for a lifetime. It's like a Supreme Court justice. There's no way to get you off. Uh, So these bishops continue to push an agenda that is uh, incompatible with our book of discipline, and they don't care. It's not just incompatible. It directly contradicts it. And and Scripture, too. Right, exactly. Because the idea behind the discipline, and it does, is to follow Scripture. Um, I attended a meeting in Grayling uh, with our, our bishop was present, and I asked the question, is there anything in Scripture that justifies homosexual marriages? And he said no. I mean, I'll give him credit for that. He was honest in his answer. Mm-hmm. He went on to say, no, he, these are other reasons why I believe it is appropriate. But every single ordained pastor has to take a vow to that they have read and believed in and will follow the book of discipline. And yet the vast, not the vast, significantly over 50% of the pastors in Michigan have decided they are not going to. Not just that they disagree with it, but they that they won't follow it, which is a breaking of the covenant. Mm-hmm. It, okay. It's about integrity. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you say you're going to do something, then that's what you need to do. If you agree to the Book of right. Discipline as it was written, then you need to follow it. I would say that a majority of the pastors, although Mike is saying majority would would see themselves more progressive, centrist progressive, a majority of them haven't uh, been disobedient in action. They are just staying now, stating now that they will support a more liberal agenda. And the last annual conference that I attended, which was in 2019, clergy goes off with their own session, which is appropriate. The Board of Ordained Ministry is who recommends individuals um, to become fully ordained pastors. They produced a motion, or they said, we will no longer follow what the discipline says about uh, about marriage being between a man and a woman. And there was a motion 
of support for that that was brought in the clergy session, and it passed something like two-thirds to 70% said, yes, we will support the Board of Ordained Ministry in not following the Book of Discipline. And to me, that's a pretty clear statement by a majority of the pastors in our annual conference that they're just not going to do it. And I realize you are you know, an exception to that, Paul, and uh, as was as the predecessors as far back as I know on that. But it's, it's gravely concerning to me that we're supporting that. On the other hand, I don't want to look at this as strictly an issue about homosexuality. It goes far beyond that. Um, it's really what's in the Bible, and a pastor has to be able to say in a church, this is what the Bible says, this is what I will follow. And if they're not willing to do that, I think we need to have a separate church, and I think separation is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that addresses it very well. So thank you both. and. Um Join us for our next podcast where we share good sources of information where we can learn more about the probable separation of the Methodist Church. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Mm -hmm.